Eric and John, they're best in the business. They're going to take care of anything that has to do with any player, not just Lamar. Sure, any player that's part of a roster where you're going into, you have an interest of what the roster is going to look like. But ultimately, I want to be someplace where structure, organization, great on defense, from top to bottom. This is Dirt and Sprague. Quinn Snyder is probably the most important coaches available out on the market. And when you make a change in season, now you have a jump on anybody else who might be making a change later after the season for a candidate like Quinn Snyder who will be at the top of the list. Now, whether they can get him or not is another question. With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague. Hopefully two hours of joy, you know, because there's been a lot of sadness here. And I think that's one thing sports can do for you. It, it, it can exhilarate you and and make you all come together. There were 15,000 people there tonight, and I felt like I could give a hug to every one of them by how my team played. Dirt and Sprague on 1080, The Fan. All right, 6.02 in the Rose City. Time for Dirt and Sprague on Portland Sports Leader, 1080, The Fan. Happy hump day, everybody. How we doing? How we feeling? What is happening? Nice little start to the day. We've already lost our first guest. <laughs> We're off to a great start. We fixed a lot of things around here this weekend. Uh, we, can we stop? Can we, can we stop? <laughs> but they did not. They didn't leave a manual on how to work certain pieces of equipment. Can we stop with the pretending we fixed things and then we get in and things are worse? In a certain regard, than things they were are before. going great around here. Okay, I, look, I, I'm not saying we didn't <laughs> fix anything. I know people were in here this weekend, but if it's fixed and then people don't know how to operate the fix, uh, is it fixed or is it broken again? I quite enjoyed at least the guest we were going to have trying to tape with him. We could hear him; he couldn't hear us. And we heard his kid in the background. So shout out to Andy Bunker's kid. My first time ever hearing him. Well, yeah. So Andy Bunker, a little peek behind the curtain, was going to join us from Atlanta. They've got the Lamar rumor. They fired their head coach yesterday. They yeah. might trade their superstar. Nate McMillan on the way out. My Braves. I mean, how, how did we not talk about the Atlanta Braves World <laughs> Series champions two years ago? I mean, come on. How do you not talk about them? They also might have the number one overall draft pick down in their state. But... uh he can't go live because his show happens to start right as our show is already going. Yes, yes. So we have to tape with Bunker when we get him, and we got him on, and all I heard in the background was Bluey, <laughs> which is a dog Disney show that only parents would know. And, and trust me when I say this, when you have a kid, Bluey is not as bad as Caillou, but the humming, the songs, they get stuck in your head to the same level. Sounded like a delightful show in the background. It's an Australian-based cartoon that's okay. blown up, and my kids are obsessed with it. Everybody's kids are obsessed with it right now. Bluey! So that's all we heard was Bluey, and we could not interview him. So now I'm scrambling right now to try to get a guest as I host a radio show. <laughs> it's an easy thing to it's do. It's a fun little Wednesday for me. Things are going great around here. Is that like the new Thomas the Train, Bluey? Um, I'm trying to think of was there. No, like, this is actually popular. Actually, pop. You didn't think Thomas the Train was popular? No, no. You did. You do. I mean, I, that I, was more my sons. We did a lot of Thomas. Okay. I don't really remember what shows I watched I, as I, a kid. I felt like one out of every eight or seven kids liked Thomas, and I was never one. I Thomas was on when I was a little kid. Yeah. I remember seeing Thomas at daycare. And it kind of tripped me out, to be honest, as a kid. <laughs> I remember looking at the trains talking, and I was just like baffled by it. I'm like, wait, the trains are talking? What's going on here? 
And so I never really dug. Thomas wasn't for me. I'd say one out of seven to eight kids like Thomas. That's a pretty low clip. And now I kind of want to check out Rotten Tomatoes ratings of Thomas the Train and Bluey the Dog. Well, Bluey the Dog definitely more popular than Thomas. Okay, let's, merch. Let's let's, uh, let's fact check this. Okay, I would say with a Rotten Tomatoes rating. Well, here's the <laughs> other part. Was it Thomas the Tank Engine? It was Thomas the oh, Tank yeah, Engine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And here is the one downfall for Thomas: is Thomas doesn't have what Bluey has. Bluey has the ability to be streamed. Therefore, ah, roll over to the next episode automatically. Here we go. I will tell you, my my television viewing has changed so much in the era of streaming that, like, I'm not a big uh, zombie show guy. I've never really been into a zombie show. But I keep hearing people say, talking about The Last of Us on HBO. Yeah, I started that. It's supposed to be really good. It and is. I, I saw like 20 minutes of the first episode actually, like flipping around. I'm like, oh, I'll check this out for a bit. So I didn't see the entire episode, but it was enough for me to say, yeah, this kind of looks like it could be something. And I keep seeing people tweet about it every single weekend. I'm, I'm now to the point, though, where I, I don't want to dive in. Because I think they're only like four or five episodes in. And no, they're like five or six. Okay, that's yeah. a little. That's a little. That's not enough inventory for me. I want the full season. Give me the full season. You binge a whole season in like a day. I'm not saying I'm going to do the whole season. I want the ability to do the whole season. Okay, I believe in freedom of binging. And if I get three episodes in and I want to keep going, I want to keep going. Damn it. Yeah, but it's it's pretty remarkable how you you'll go home some days. And, oh yeah, baby, we go all in. Yeah, you you sometimes will just dive in and be like nine o'clock at night. You're like, I finished a whole season of television today. I mean, it's I had to do it with full swing last <laughs> week. I got the entire well, not the entire season. It took me two days, but I got you know eight of the nine episodes or seven of the eight, whatever it was, in day one, and then I watched the the last episode the next day. I just I I like having that ability. I am I am horrible with memory. I can't remember what we did 10 minutes ago, and especially when you give me TV shows that are, like, week to week. My wife and I were watching uh, the Jack Ryan show on, on Amazon, and she's really hit and miss when she can watch TV. So we're, like, sporadic, like, two episodes here, two weeks, no episodes, and then that's, we do that's three how, episodes. That's how the wife and I are. We're just inconsistent. It's all over the map, right? Because you got stuff going on, and she works an actual job. I don't. I have time on my hands. Anyways, we watched the finale of, the, of season three. We finally got it caught all the way up. And we turned it on, and it had been like, I don't know, six or seven days since we watched an episode. Couldn't remember a damn thing. Like, now, where is he going? What's he going after again? Who's this guy? What's this guy doing? And then we had to, like, pause it and go back and watch, like, a recap of the last episode. Oh, that's right. That's why this guy's doing this, and that's where he's going. So I have to have the ability to binge. I'm going to forget everything from the week earlier. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Uh, I just, I don't know. I don't have, I don't have as much time to just binge from like one to seven in a day is I, I would if I could I would but I usually don't so like I'll binge one if I can get two I'm ecstatic about it <laughs> that's a good day of television viewing. yeah that's a great day of television like I get two full swing episodes in I'm like yeah what a great day of TV for me <laughs> yes I got two in baby now let's go be a dad and read a book uh, uh I'm trying to find so Bluey has a audience uh, audi- average audience score of 51 percent okay I don't know what that out There's, of a hundred, they don't have like an average tomato or whatever they call it. Tomato. Well, I don't meter. know if I'm. Tr- I don't know if I'm trusting a rotten tomato. Don't would, trust it. Don't oh, trust. Tell it. me this: Who would grade television shows <laughs> that are more based for kids? I mean, the parents graded. They would have to because the kids aren't giving out that. Okay. Grade. Do you think a parent wants to grade a television show that their kids are obsessed with at a high clip or a low clip? Yeah, there's no, uh, there's not even a rating for Thomas the Tank Engine. They Be- don't even have one. Because thankfully for me, I was not a Barney era kid. Barney came out when I was maybe seven, maybe eight, okay. probably seven. I love you. You love me. And I hated Barney. <laughs> 
hated Barney. I thought it was the dumbest show ever created. It's stupid. It's a singing dinosaur. You should be eating those kids, not singing with them. <laughs> but my little brother was obsessed with Barney. Had to have a Barney doll. Always saying that I love you. He tried to make his chores into a song. And I'm sure if my mom could have gone to a Rotten Tomatoes to rate it, she would have given the damn show a 40% because she was tired of it. Take it anymore. It was terrible. Turn it off. There, look, my brother has a lot of dirt on me growing up, right? And he, he likes a, there's a certain story he loves to tell people that is just factually incorrect, but he tells it every time he can. The one thing that I have on him is he was an absolute Barney sycophant. Barney freak, huh? I mean, every effing day he had to watch. We had, it, this is how old I am. They were on tape. We had episodes on tape. And so, like, my aunt would buy him an episode for Christmas or his birthday. And he would just make us pop them in, rewind them before you put them back in the case. That way, the next time he wants to watch it, it's ready to go. This is going to be a really old thing to say. I kind of miss the feeling of putting a VHS tape in. There was something to that, like movie night. Ooh, we got our movie. Yeah. We went to the store. We rented it. The hard plastic case. The hard plastic. Yeah. You open it up. You put it in. You got to, you know, make sure you're at the start. You fast forward. Like, I, I kind of miss that. I, I miss the old feeling. Now it's just too easy. I was talking to my brother about this the other day. We were joking about, he was, you know, asking if you're watching any TV shows recently. And he said his problem, and this is my problem too, is that with streaming, you just have too many options. Way too many options. And you get to, like, to the end of the night, and you want to, hey, I want to watch a show, I want to watch a movie. And you pull up Netflix or Apple TV, whatever, and you just scroll. And you scroll, and you scroll. You're like, that kind of looks good. That kind of looks... Next thing you know, 30 minutes went by, and it's already too late to start a movie. And I'm just... I'm frustrated at that point. There's a part of me that misses the act of going in, you kind of walk up and down the aisle, new releases, you get your tape, that's what you pick, you take it home, you're not watching something else. I rented it for one day, I've got to return it the next, I'm watching it that night. Okay, so first of all, how often did you really do 24-hour rentals? You didn't. You did like a three-day rental, You usually day, did right? three-day rentals. The, the other part of that is, you know... You're right in some regard. I find it, I forget what the term is, but there's an actual term for this where it's like you're paralyzed by the amount of options. You're just overwhelmed. And so you're scrolling and you're like, oh, this is interesting. Like, I have this problem where people tell me, you know what show I've been watching? It's amazing. Downtown Abbey. And I'd be like, okay, I, I, I'm kind of curious why it's so popular. I go and watch the trailer. And it's like, hello, mom, I'm porn British. And I'm like, I have no interest. I don't know why this show's popular. I'm out immediately. I'm out immediately. Like, I don't even know what my criteria is to choose a show. Like, for Last of Us. I don't like zombie stuff. Yeah. I don't play video games. You know why I watched it? That's right. It was a video game, wasn't it? Pedro Pascal. Yeah, he's a good actor. He is uneffing believable. The Mandalorian's coming back. Me and my family are excited for it. So I'm like, I'm going to watch The Last of Us. He I love He was great in Game of Thrones. He was great in Narcos. You know underrated role for him? The Nick Cage movie. He's really, ah, really stinking good in the still last Still haven't seen it, but it looked great. It's a good, funny movie. Anyways, that's what my criteria was for watching Last of Us. But what you cite is true. Everybody gets stuck on a streaming platform, and they're like... I mean, it all looks good. It. There's a thousand options. I'm pushing back, though, on your comp. Okay, what do you got? Because I know I did this, and if I did this, I know other people did this. You just said basically the equivalent to, I didn't know what to watch. You walked up and down the rows. You and did. You looked at all the movies. You did. And you know what you usually rented? You still ended up getting Tommy Boy. <laughs> yeah, you'd already seen five times. How often did you really go to the new release and go, oh, the new movie's out? <laughs> Sometimes you'd do it, and then other times you're like, 
I could watch Dumb and Dumber again, though. And I could rewind it and watch it again. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Somebody texted in, I, I, I do the same thing, and I usually half the time just end up punting and putting on The Simpsons. That's the way I am on, like, that's what I am with Seinfeld. Yeah, all the whatever the, the scroll, the is, you scroll, yes. you scroll, you're like, right. I can't find anything. Right. I tried to watch a documentary about a, a, a Nazi leader yesterday, but it was, it was, I had to read the. It's so depressing to watch was, some of that stuff, man. It was depressing, and it was also in Spanish, so you're having to read the, you know, the words the entire time. Oh, that's tough. And it was, but the, the tough part was, I can read, I promise you, I can read. You gotta sound them out. The, <laughs> <laughs> You're going to listen to that back and you're <laughs> going to laugh. It's going to sound horrible. It's going to sound horrible. Let me finish, okay? The the writing though like the 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 letters were in white font and there were moments where the background of the screen was white. Oh, I hate that. And so you couldn't like I I got 10 minutes into it and I'm like I have already missed like 30% of this cuz I can't read the damn thing. You're going white on white. You can't go white on white. You got to go dark on white or you got to go you know white on dark. You got to change it up. Give me a vantage point here to be able to read it. And what did I end up doing? Turned on Seinfeld, watched three episodes, laughed. I was content. I was happy. Your point isn't wrong about Hollywood video, but we we used. Oh, you're to, a Hollywood video guy. I was a big Hollywood video guy. Oh, see, we were more. Big. Well, we had a local little joint, and it was like the most Park Rose. <laughs> independently owned video rental store you could have. It wasn't big. I feel like every neighborhood had one of those. A- absolutely. I forget the name of it, but the sign was cool. It had a yeah. light-up sign. You walk in, and it was tiny. I mean, it's as, probably as big as the studio. Did yours have an adult section? Because mine did. And that was the thing. It was so <laughs> small, but they ha- he wanted an adult section that, like, if you're like, I'm going to go look for the Disney movies, even though you knew where they were. Always. But you were going to walk, and you were going to slip right past the old hots, and you were going like... Ooh, booby. <laughs> you stand there, act like you're looking at a different section, but looking out of the corner of your eye at some naked ladies. My go-to was always stand at a certain angle where I could see some skin at a certain <laughs> angle, but I'd hold up a movie case, then act like I was reading the hmm. description of the movie. Hmm, this one looks good, Mom. Hmm. My mom my mom picked up on it pretty quick. She's like, oh my God, you're six and you're already doing this? And I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm feeling things. And then they ended up closing, so we had to go Blockbuster. We had Blockbuster yeah. close to our house. And then Hollywood was at Fred Meyer's and, and Gateway, so we'd go there, too. So I had uh, I kind of hit both of them up, but I think I preferred Blockbuster a little bit more. That's fair. That's There was just something about, like, going, and you're not wrong. Like, half the time you would end up just picking a movie you've already seen before, yeah. and you it would end up being the same thing as streaming. I just There was something fun about, like, like when, when I was young, that was like a big Friday night. You know, like Friday night, movie night, you're like seven years old, and you would go to you know, to like a Hollywood video, you'd walk around, you'd pick out, your parents would pick out a movie, they let you pick out a movie, it would usually include like, hey mom, can I get jolly, you know, you get some candy with it, or a little bit of popcorn, and like, mm-hmm. hey, there's your Friday night, you're all set, you go home, you have a little bit of pizza, you watch a movie, oh, it's man. good vibes, it's good feelings. You know, you know what it was to me, it was, we, we couldn't, you know, I, I didn't grow up super rich. Uh, I always say like I was the lowest of the middle class. Like if there was a middle class level, (laughs) I was probably right at the line where like I wasn't the poorest person, but I also didn't have a lot of money. You're on like the bottom floor of the middle class. Yeah, we're we're like that high rise building. You hit one button and go down a floor. (laughs) You might be eating government cheese every single month. Sure. But we weren't we were quite on that line. So going to the rental store for me, I liked it so much because we didn't go to the movies that much. Yeah, it wasn't a thing. Like, when we went to the movies, my mom was so smart in that, like, when we went to the actual movie theater, even though it cost, like, $4 or whatever it was back in the day, she would not go 
unless she could do double features. Mm. So, like, specifically, I remember going to the movie theater, and they had the double feature of Aladdin and The Lion King. And so you'd watch, like, Aladdin, which I think was kind of older, and then you'd take, I think I want to say it was like a 15-minute break. Go pee, get some more popcorn. Get some movie stuff, and then you'd come back, and you'd watch The Lion King, which was coming out in theaters that week, and it was a double feature. And she would only pay for movies when we could do that. And so going to the video store, for me, I'd walk in, and it just... It felt like the movie theater. It Here we go. Like the movie theater. Yeah. It it was exciting to see all of the selections. <laughs> Some of them had video games. Like, you just can't beat that feeling, man. And kids, I feel bad for kids in a lot of ways. And I tell my daughter this. I'm like, man, back in my day, you would have loved it. You would have loved it. Rode yeah. a bike to the park. Never worried about pedophiles. <laughs> never worried about the news scaring the living hell out of me. Making sure I'm worried about every single step you take in this world. Where are you? It was a great life. And my daughter hates hearing that because she wishes she could have some of that stuff right. that, you know, more freedom, not as easier anymore. But I say the one thing that you miss out on that you'll never understand is how amazing it felt to walk into a video rental store. Video rental store was the place to be. And she thinks I'm the oldest fuddy-duddy when I say that. And I go, you just can't match that feeling. And then the order you got, you, they'd have, like, video game rentals on top of it. So oh, you get, yeah. like, a movie and a video game for the weekend. Yeah. That was it. You were set. Ten-year-old Dirt was set for, for 48 hours. The best was, because I wasn't much of a video game player. Like, I was... The worst player. We played Goldeneye. I'd get killed in five seconds. I was terrible. But I'd always play because my friends were playing. But they were video gamers, man. Like, they loved all the new games. They were in it, yeah. So they knew how to go around, especially the Hollywood at, at Gateway. They would go around and specifically know who was working and when to go in there and, like, switch to the mature for adult audience video game into the more childlike video game. That was always the key because you couldn't rent it at a young age. Well, because some of those kids were... Stoner teens, and yeah. they wouldn't check the way they should. They'd be like, is this all you want? Okay, bye. <laughs> and my friend, some of my friends knew that, so they knew how to switch the games out. And they'd just go home like, hey, I've got I've got uh, Resident Evil. <laughs> oh, oh, damn. We're shooting zombies. Oh, damn. <laughs> ah, good times. We're old. We are very old now. God, that rant felt great. It does. I, I miss it. I, we need to bring that back. There was one in Milwaukee by my old house, and I, I would go there occasionally because they'd have coffees, and I'd just walk up. I didn't rent a ton, but you just walk up and down the aisles. Oh, like, this is cool, man. They got DVDs and VHSs in here. It's fun. Well, in the span of the uh, opening segment, I already was turned down by another guest. So, well, like, that's good. We're going. Things are going great. We're starting out 0 for 2, but don't worry. I, I keep swinging. We keep grinding, baby. That's what we do. Uh, we got a lot to get to today. Let's get it going because we went a little over the clock there. We start with some rut row in sports. That's next. Dirt and Sprague on the fan. We get to a uh, slightly disturbing story in college basketball. That's the way we talk about college basketball nowadays. Something bad happened. Yeah, that's how unplugged I was that I didn't even realize what was happening until yesterday. I oh, saw you hadn't the... heard that story before? <laughs> no, I saw the video of the coach yeah. and I just thought, what is this? Read up on it and holy hell. It was one of those, I saw it happen. Oh, I didn't see it happen, but I saw the story when it happened and I thought, Mm. There's more there. It's pretty dark and awful, and I don't know if I want to talk about it. But then it it got more, more was added to the story yesterday, and so uh, we'll get to that coming up. A uh, little bit of a rut row in the NFL yesterday. Brock Purdy having to delay surgery because there's that. inflammation in the old elbow. Uh, my first instinct when his injury happened in the NFC Championship game, and then after the game was done, and they talked about what he needed to have happen. Uh, it it kind of felt like Tommy John, and they just didn't want to say that. 
And uh, they were going to have surgery, but they have to delay it now because of inflammation. Mm -hmm. It's hard at this point for me to see him being available for them. Maybe I'll be wrong and there'll be a rapid recovery. It's almost already March, though. They're going to report in July. So it, it, I don't know. It doesn't appear today like good news for Brock Purdy's season next year. And while I always thought it was going to be Trey Lance, I mean, we saw how close that team was and is. And, you know, there's the Jets are in this conversation, right? There are teams like that. Green Bay might be here. The Raiders might be there. There are teams out there looking for this specific spot. And I, I wonder if that news at all changed anything for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan of what should we do? Because right now you might be rolling into the year with Trey Lance as your starter and Josh Johnson as your backup? <laughs> Josh and Johnson? I think we saw with Josh Johnson. I think that's the threshold. Even Josh Johnson, you cannot <laughs> win with Josh Johnson. Hey, you hit a bottom at some point. And so, yeah, Brock Purdy was a good story. But yesterday, unfortunate news for him. It does suck. I, I feel bad for him. Just like I feel bad for Trey Lance, man. You got young guys that are trying to make their way in the NFL, and they couldn't stay healthy. Obviously, Purdy played a little bit more than Trey Lance this year. But even Trey Lance, after his initial surgery, he's been through hell trying to get back from that. There's been additional stuff that he he's had to get done. I do really respect him, and I've seen a couple of interviews. He was around Super Bowl week and did uh, some Super Bowl Radio Row stuff. He's been very around the team, and uh, they've said he's been pretty, like, supportive and trying to, you know, just be there for the guys. Well, we go back to the whole Wentz and Foles thing from years ago in Philly. Like, that's not an easy thing for a young quarterback. Trey Lance was the future. He was the top five draft pick. He was the guy that was going to lead the 49ers to the promised land and not only did he not win the job in year one then year two he finally gets it didn't play great in his first game gets hurt in his second game season's done and here comes a seventh round pick leading them to the nfc championship game playing as good as they played as a team basically in in this entire kyle shanahan era like that's not an easy thing to overcome but he was a great leader he was a great mentor on the sideline for at least the information that he knows this it's troubling though because if this is just now starting in terms of the swelling and the surgery was supposed to happen today, it's not going to happen today. They're still claiming that it's a six-month recovery. But how long is this swelling going to take to go down? Does it take a week? Does it take two weeks? Does it take a month? Like, how long until you're comfortable enough to get surgery? Because as of right now, essentially a six-month recovery gets you back sometime in August. And so I think their hope was we can get him back for training camp. Maybe he's not ready for the start of the year, but he's at least around the team in training camp and maybe starting to ramp up activities. But if you got to put this back a month, then that gets delayed. Now you're not back around the team practicing until September. And then that's just a pie in the sky, too. It only takes six months. Because as I just mentioned with Trey Lance, a lot of times with injuries in the NFL, you got to go back in, clean something up, doesn't heal the way you thought it would. So it's a really tough blow for Brock Purdy and his chances to to win the job in training camp. And it does look like, at least as of now, uh, it's going to be Trey Lance's job because of the health of the other players. And he's going to have a chance to run with it. If he plays well, they're not going to bench him. They're not going to move on from him. You think they're panicking? You think they're sitting there after this news gets to John Lynch's phone before it breaks and he goes, ah, oh, damn. I don't think they are. I don't think they panic because you got two options there. Well, I, I guess panic is that's probably the wrong term. I don't yeah. think they're like, oh, my God. I, I think they have contingency plans. I just I'm wondering how that news uh, impacts that, I guess, is what I'm asking. I would say this. I think this is going to end up being a positive no matter how how it plays out in San Francisco. If, if Trey Lance takes the job <clears throat> because Purdy is not healthy in training camp, he becomes the number one guy. Let's say Trey Lance plays well next year mm-hmm. and he takes that step. What does it free up the 49ers to do? One, they've already got they're getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, so that cap number's coming off their books. But two, it allows you to move on from Brock Brock Purdy. 
if Trey Lance plays well, you're not keeping Brock Purdy around for three years as a backup. Some team's going to offer you something from what they saw last year and going all the way to the NFC Championship game. Like, you might be able to get a first-round pick for that dude. And if that ends up happening, that's a, that's a win-win. And I think the same thing still goes with Trey Lance. Like, even if Brock Purdy comes back, let's say Lance doesn't play great in the first two weeks and Shanahan just trusts Purdy more, he ends up being the guy, Trey Lance was still a top-five pick two years ago. He's super young early in his career. He's a raw prospect. And there's going to be a team that's desperate for a quarterback that's willing to kick the tires on that guy. And so I think that's the beauty of having two. You don't want to have it long term because you want to eventually settle on who you want to be your franchise quarterback. But having two gives you gives you a little bit of wiggle room, and it's going to give you a trade piece whenever you're ready to decide this is the guy and we're ready to move on from the other one. Brock Purdy, inflammation, delaying surgery for him. And so now the timetable for his season might be in jeopardy. If not, his season could be over uh, as this story is ever-changing. Not good news for him. That's probably the, the the least encouraging news San Francisco could have had yesterday was that he's got inflammation and he has to delay the surgery. There's an update uh, real quick on one of the NFL teams. We have a lot more to get to today, including something that, we, uh, that came out yesterday after the show. And uh, we put a poll question up on that. Uh, we'll talk some NFL we got a lot to get to. Dirt and Sprague back with more. Fun piece of audio from the NBA All-Star Weekend emerged yesterday. Somebody tweeting, Pac-12 games are now going to be distributed via airdrop to everyone who has their settings set to public. Hell yeah, right on my phone. That'd be great. <laughs> Download it on my iPad. This is perfect. It's from Joe Wheat on Twitter. I randomly saw that retweeted on our timeline. That's a great tweet. How many people are accidentally going to deny the airdrop and be like, oh, that was the Beaver game. Damn it. It's going to be like the U2 album. What the hell is this on my phone for? I don't want Arizona and Colorado. I don't want this game. Damn it. Give me the good teams. What is the game that would get you from the Pac-12? Auto showing up on your phone the way the U2 Bono album showed up randomly. Cal Stanford. Cal Stanford? That has to be it right the now. The big rivalry? That would have, like, name me a worse game right Is that now. The big game or the game? I don't know. I just called it so the game. Harvard, it's a horrible game. Harvard, game. Yale, Harvard Yale is one. One of them's the game and one of them's the big game. And I can never remember which one it is. I mean, Colorado is now more interesting. ASU was terrible last year, but hey, there's like a new coach and they got the Notre Dame quarterback. Maybe there's yeah. something there. Mm. Arizona was at least. Am I going to have to get an iPhone now? Is that finally what it's going to take? I've I never mean, had an iPhone. I've always had. For the love of God, please get an iPhone. I hate texting you. It's it's one of the worst part. Look, this is a very privileged thing to say, but I'm going to say it. We got some first world problems. Air this them out. Is, yeah, this is a it's, first world. I hate texting you. It's green. I never know if you got it. You respond sometimes <laughs> in a group chat. I feel like sometimes it still comes in individually. Well, I, I don't know how to. Why feel does about the color this. bother you? Because you're just not a part of the club. Please be blue. We feel like we're in high society and you're not in high society. Oh, see, I see it the other way. See, I text somebody today. I, already I, got... I see you guys as the lemmings. And... <laughs> the lemmings. Just be a sheep. Come on, no. we're all sheep, baby. Come on, no. come on over. Just come on you here know, the cut worst, your wool for you. The worst part is, I'm not a great texter. We all know this. We've been over this a million times. But the ability to like just thumbs up, but t- like acknowledge, hey, I got it, and I read it, and here's the thumbs up. Here's a heart. Here's an exclamation point. Wow, you said something exciting. When you do that to somebody who does not have an iPhone, then you get like the so-and-so liked, and then you get the additional message in the feed, and it's really frustrating. Yeah. That's It's not the green thing for me that does it. It's oh. the not being able to like it and then get without getting the extra text on top probably even if i had one i wouldn't do that i 
I don't know. Well, you could you could probably. It's not for your ability. It's for yeah. my ability to just like text without having to respond to them, without yeah. the extra text message showing up. You could probably conclude that you're, hey, Sprague, you're a little addicted to your phone. I, I, I won't argue that. That's probably a fact. <laughs> but there are times when I text our group chat for the show purposes or thoughts just to see what you guys think about the same thing I'm watching. And if I don't get a response within like 30 minutes, I'm just, I contemplate leaving the group chat. I like, I want to delete it. I hate it. I get frustrated. Oh. I'm like, what are you possibly doing in your lives to not just look at that little screen and say, oh, that's a good point. Oh, that's a good idea. I'm probably knocking down some putts. <clears throat> putts. I don't know. I could putts, be... butts. I don't know what you're doing, but <laughs> doing you're not responding. Putts stuff. and butts would be a great podcast. Be going winery hopping. I could be cooking. I could, just interview all the smoke shows yeah. in golf. Hell I mean, that's, yeah. That's what Instagram is now. It's just the hottest gals in the skimpiest clothes. Don't doing... even get me started on those girls. I love golf. You're like, do you? With or their do horrible you? swings and their short skirts. Like, get out of here. And most Quit of the clogging time, up our golf courses for horny men on Instagram. And most of the time, they're hitting their shots. You don't see where the ball goes. No. But somehow, it's always on the green for a nice little bird or a mm. par. And you're oh, like, look at that. Mm. I got a birdie. Like, no, you, you're didn't. Not, you didn't. You swing like a 27 handicap. All right, TM that. And it's mine because you, you got Grip City. I'm going to do putts and butts. I want to be on on putts and butts. You're more than you got a big butt. You're welcome. <laughs> what to be about on putts and butts. what about putts, butts, and mutts? What you add a dog to it? No, now you're going now we're talking far. dogs. Dog training tips. What are you doing with your dog? Just add what's to it, and you can talk about anything, anytime. <laughs> what what's up with putts, butts, and mutts? There's your podcast. <laughs> I'm keeping it at putts and butts. Okay, okay? I think putts and butts works. That's a pretty good podcast yeah. name. You're right. TM that. TM, uh, TM. But it is undoubtedly Stanford and, and and Cal. Okay. There's not a worse game. You cannot name me a worse game. Than well, that. let's think from a talent standpoint. Colorado was the worst team in the Power Five. They were, but they have Deion Sanders, and I will watch. I will watch a Colorado game ahead of a Stanford or Cal game every week of the season next year. Pick the worst possible Colorado game from last year. You're you're lying to me if you say, "Well, Dion's on the sidelines, so I care now." Not if that's how they play. You will well, turn sure. that game. Eventually, off. you get there, but they've added like the number one player in the country back to back years to their roster. Is that is that a big deal? I mean, is that I mean, really a big yeah, deal? it kind of is. A, I don't think they they're going to. Well, I think the most now. annoying. They're not going to win thing, the conference, but yeah, it's a big deal. The most deal. annoying thing for Colorado games, at least when they start, is how much airtime Coach yeah. Prime's going to get. I mean, there's going to oh, be sure. a camera on him like I could see if it's ESPN having coach prime in the small box like the entire damn game did you see he got in trouble for some comments he made did you see those I did see those yeah comments were real interesting it, they what he, was he commenting he pissed on? off a lot of black people man he made a comment basically I'm summing this up and I hope I didn't get ball sack sports on this but I I saw that he had made some quotes that he chases certain positions based on the parental settings in households. Yeah. Hmm. I think it was something to the effect of. I'm going to try some, and pull it up to see if I can get the actual quote. Can you get the actual quote? Because yeah. I feel very uncomfortable right now. Because totally I'm like, fair. did I get ball sack sports? I don't know. And I don't want to be the guy who does get so, ball sack sports. He was on, uh, was on with Rich Eisen. Yeah. And okay. he was asked what he was looking for, what attributes he looks for in players yes. as he's recruiting them. Yeah. His quote was, well, we have different attributes, smart, tough, fast, disciplined with character. Now, quarterbacks are different. We want mother, father, dual parent. We want that kid to be a 3.5 GPA because he has to be smart, not bad decisions off the field at all, because he has to be a leader of men. 
There was so also was his quote. Well, there's also a defensive lineman. We go after defensive linemen, and I think that's more single parent based household. And okay, yeah. That, if I read more in the article, I'm sure that's in that, there somewhere. Yeah, the, I, I'd seen something about that too, and I'm like, ooh. Yeah, you know, you I mean you don't not gonna, you don't say that. Yeah. You can't really say that stuff. Now I'm I, I'm interested genuinely to go through all the single parent households that have had amazing quarterbacks, and I bet you it's. <laughs> I mean, given the country's percentage on divorce rate, it's got to be decent. Got to be decent, you would imagine. So, yeah, he stepped in a little bit of hot water. But he's Dion. He don't care. He didn't care about the backlash. He's going to move on to the next thing. Yeah, what's the uh, what's the divorce rate in America? 50%, isn't it? I think it? it's Roughly? Like 51 or 52. Yeah. Man. So I think it's over half. Half the kids out there are dealing with divorced families. So, you know, does he still count that as a mother and father? Or does it have to be like an absentee parent? Can divorce kids still be a quarterback? I, think, I, I would think if, if you If both had... parents are still involved with the kid's life? Either that or if you have. Like if one of the parents is remarried and and the kid was raised, and there's like a, a really good stepdad in the situation, stepdad or stepmom or whatever the situation is. <laughs> yeah, but you, me, and Dern aren't saying that comment. Nope. Uh, no, never nope. would I. Nope. No, you don't nope. say that. Nope, not happening. He, he faced a lot of backlash for that, and rightfully so. But <laughs> he's he's just out. He just says everything that's on his mind. He don't care. Yes, he's he untouchable. Does. He's Deion Sanders. He's Deion Sanders. And he's not going to be there for long, so let's enjoy him. Yeah, well, that, you know, some people don't agree with that. Some people think well, he'll that, be there. Uh... <laughs> there is no chance Deion Sanders is there longer than four, over four and a half. Did you see what his son did? No chance. I keep no, saying, I did, did you see, did you see, did you see? <laughs> I'm just curious how much people follow Deion Sanders. I did not see Shadur Sanders. Shadur Sanders was spotted Going around uh, Boulder, and he was, someone with their cell phone uh, recorded him. He was driving around in the midst of a snowstorm, (laughs) going maybe five miles an hour. He was driving the brand new Corvette that looks like a Lambo. And somebody was like, yo, he doesn't, does he realize where he's at now? He's in Colorado. Not really good a vibe here in February. And he saw that video and said, yeah, I got to change vehicles now. <laughs> this is awful. He's like barely putzing around through an intersection. I don't think that'll be an issue. Let's go ahead and get that guy an SUV or a big time truck. That's Deion Sanders. There's probably like eight cars in the garage. Be There's right. got to be an Escalade in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a great uh, clip coming out from All-Star Weekend. We'll get to that coming up. We got the Pac-12 update that we'll get to still efforting a ticker guest at 7:30 but uh, up next we'll get to that audio and I got an NBA thing I want to get to so that's next Dirt and Sprague on the fan 6:48 welcome back in I'll put up a uh, an open-ended poll question on at Dirt and Sprague what is the Pac-12 football game that gets auto-loaded onto your iPhone the way the U2 album did that pisses you off. You can't go non-conference games. It's got to be a conference game. It's got to be conference games only. I'll put that in the in the open-ended poll question uh, at Dirt and Sprague. I'm going to guess Arizona-Colorado. Yeah, Arizona. I can't do that anymore. I can't. Yeah, Arizona's more interesting, but there is something to saying Arizona football that you're still like, Ugh. Did we watch Stanford last year? Stanford was... Or the year before. Stanford... Or the year before that. Was pretty bad, yeah. Did we watch Cal last year? The Cal's not been... Or the year before. Or the year before that. I think they were a bowl game the year before that. (laughs) Two years ago, I think they were a bowl game. Uh, I don't think so. I got a couple. I know we got basket blue balls tomorrow, so I'll rattle off more open-ended thoughts, but I got an NBA segment I want to get to. The first is uh, some fun audio from the All-Star Weekend. This came out yesterday. This is behind-the-scenes locker room stuff. I always love, this is what I love, like seeing the old-school guys when Larry or Michael or Magic or you know Shaq or Duncan or whatever. You get the behind-the-scenes clips. This is a clip 
LeBron James in the locker room. He's a couple stalls down, but there's nobody in between him and Damian Lillard. And I boosted this, so you should be able to say, because LeBron did like a, hey, youngins, you guys, we got to do this, we got to do that. And Dame made an interesting observation, and take a listen to the back and forth between LeBron and Damian Lillard. I heard when you were saying all these young niggas, you didn't name me, bro. <laughs> when you was telling them, like, y'all young niggas gonna run around, you was naming me. Oh, yeah, I didn't name you. Oh, I showed it. No, I did not. No, I did not. No, I didn't. You ain't no young no more, bro. You ain't the young no more, bro. So if you if you couldn't make out the beginning of that, Dame's like, "Hey, I heard you saying the youngins, and you weren't you weren't pointing to me, and <laughs> you didn't include me in your rant." And I'm goes, "Oh no, oh no, you're not you're not I a youngin anymore." If, if Dame was like, "I'm glad you didn't include me," or he was like, "Uh oh, I'm not a youngin anymore." <laughs> I think it was a combination. I think it was an honor to not be a youngin, but also like. I actually got kind of sad when I listened to this clip. I'm like, damn, Dame is getting old, man. This he is, is. What is this, year 11, 12? Like, yeah, seven of his 11 years he's been an all-star. I mean, that's just, it. It uh, me and Danny talked about this on the pod, but like, it's it, it was a realization this weekend that you don't get a lot of great moments from Blazers, and Dame had a great moment in three-point contest. He had the walk-off shot, if that mattered at all to anybody. <laughs> For anybody that was still watching. Yeah, I, mean, I, yeah. I didn't watch at that point. <laughs> it won from behind half-court. Yeah. Yeah. I saw those highlights on Twitter. pulled up, 49-foot jumper, Just no a problem. casual half-quarter, no big deal. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's not a youngin' anymore, man. It's uh, it was That's a funny back-and-forth between him and Braum, but uh, also a little sad. You're like, yeah, Dave is getting old, man. <laughs> he used to be our rookie. He was our Rising Stars Challenge I'm player. Not, I'm not pointing to my wrist because he's going to hit a shot. I'm pointing at my wrist because time's almost up. <laughs> There's arthritis in my wrist now. We're so old. It, it is a little It is a little sad, and it is a, it is a reality check that uh, you, you don't have a lot of years left here, buddy, and we better make something happen sooner than later. I think that's why there's so much, so much angst amongst the fan base. Like this isn't this isn't the Neil O'Shea era of a five year plan. Like you you can't have a five year plan. This needs to be a an eighteen month plan. And so everything has to be boosted at a at a warp speed. And I, LeBron is is right to point out, like, dude, you're thirty three. I don't know if Dame was upset by that, but you're you're definitely not a youngin. Look at some of the young names in that game this weekend, and he is not in that category anymore. Um there was once upon a time where I admit, and I, I am wrong, I've admitted I'm wrong here, so you can throw that in my face. I'm like, you're an idiot. Uh, I wanted Ben Simmons in Portland. There was a time when that was a real thing for me. Me too. Swing big, hope for the best, get a 6'10", you know, generational skill level, talent and height, weight, everything, all world defender who could distribute and play the Draymond Green role. I was all in on that. Mm-hmm. I have since admitted that I'm wrong. He doesn't care about basketball. He has no passion for basketball. He's mentally he, broken. Well, I don't even think it's mentally broken. I, I I, think you date back to even college. They didn't go to the tournament in college. Like, you didn't need to win the championship at LSU, but to not even get your team in the tournament, that was like that should have been like a big red flag, and it was to some, but it, I, you know, I turned a blind eye. What's it like to coach Ben Simmons, you might ask? Jacques Vaughn had a clip go viral explaining what it's like to be the coach of a Ben Simmons team. You put another big next to Ben, then you got to figure out what the spacing is around him. Then if you put a playmaker next to him, then you got to figure out what Ben looks like without the basketball. Then if you go small without with Ben, then you got to figure out, can you rebound enough with him? All right, so the challenges are ahead of us. <laughs> Yikes. Good luck with all that. 
So every scenario, you have to think, <laughs> can we even do this because I have Ben Simmons on the court? I mean, this really, you could probably go back and say this was the thing that began the downfall of the Nets. Now, Kyrie Irving being a loon was a huge part of it as well. But when you traded James Harden for, and, and got this contract in return, and then you're restricted in your ability to trade this for other guys who have signed their rookie extensions, and you got to pay him, I mean, what's he making, $38, $40 million a year? Like it's an insane salary cap number for a guy that refuses to shoot the basketball. So I'm with you. Like, this is a left hand up. I'm, I'm apologizing because I argued as well. Here's a guy who, and for four years in Philly, before he forgot how to play basketball, I mean, there were years he was averaging 17 points, like nine rebounds and eight assists a game. And he was an elite defender. And you knew that he couldn't shoot, but it didn't matter. He'd still find a way to make an impact on the game. He was taking, you know, 12, 13 shots a game, and he was, you know, shooting 50% from the floor because a lot of them were from around the rim. He went from averaging at his peak in Philadelphia basically 12 and a half shots per game to basically five this season. I mean, just he refuses to shoot. He has no offensive game. He's not a threat at all. And you play five on four with him on that end. He's a great, it should be a great distributor, but his assist numbers aren't as high as they were back in Philly. So I, this this was a disastrous trade for Brooklyn. And I don't know how many years he has left on that contract, but nobody's going to take that contract off of their books. Yeah, I find myself in a weird position where I'm, I'm rooting against the Suns. I'm rooting against the Mavericks and... You'd think, oh, you should be kind of back in the Nets for doing it. Nah, I kind of hate the Nets still. The fact that they sold out so hard for that and they got nothing out of it, it one, it leaves me happy because I, I hate to see that kind of behavior get rewarded, what KD and Kyrie were kind of doing there in Brooklyn or trying to do and absolutely fail, failed and fell flat on their face. But, like, I'm not going to suddenly be like, oh, go Brooklyn because you finally traded him. You should have traded him in the summer. You should have traded Kyrie the minute he did the anti-Semitic stuff. Yeah. Which I'm not saying it's not right, but it is interesting to watch the the backlash or the reactions to Myers Leonard signing to the Bucks versus Kyrie being traded in Dallas and smiling and Luka Doncic playing jokes on him at the All-Star game. <laughs> yeah. Is it not? I mean, you I move bet. on pretty quickly when you have more talent. That's like somebody texted that in, what, you know, why what's the difference between those two guys? It's this is the way it is in all of sports. If you have talent, you can get away with things and people don't hold you accountable. If you aren't ta- like Myers Leonard was not a very good NBA player. No. He found a little bit of a home in Miami there at the end. He had his fun playoff moments against the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, but his career was not great. That's why Myers Leonard has been out of the NBA. If Myers Leonard was a 2010 guy, uh, he, he would have been back in the league much quicker. I will say I watched the E60 piece, and good for him, man. He seems like he's really dedicated his life to trying to right the wrong. He's clearly said something. He claims he didn't know what it meant. We've been over you know, what it was and how it happened a million times, but he has dedicated hours, money, financial resources, um, energy to, to different Jewish causes, and he has been a beacon of hope in their community, and it's been really fun to see how he's mm. kind of taken a negative in his life and turned it into a positive. I think when we're looking at sports figures, that's the main thing we ask, right? Guys are going to make mistakes. You're going to do stupid stuff. Some are more egregious than others, but at least own up to your mis- mistakes, acknowledge them, and show that you're on a path to redemption. And Myers Leonard has done that, and good for him getting another chance in the NBA. I just think it's always it's easier you know, to talk about how we would react and how we would treat people, but then you're in the moment, and it's it's different. Yeah. You know, like this weekend, Carl Malone being at the All-Star game. It's uncomfortable. It's kind of it's gross. What's the NBA doing there? And I saw a photo yesterday of the Kareem, LeBron, and Carl Malone on the stage because they're the top three scorers of all time. Like, they're embracing in a hug. 
And it's it's odd because I'm thinking the same thing a lot of people are thinking. I'm like, this is so gross. It's the so ninth weird. guy on the bench impregnated a 13 year old girl. He's not getting paraded around by the NBA. No, he's yeah, he's being ex- yeah, he's out of the league. He's, well, he's not being talked about. They're not bringing his name up ever, right? So, but I think you sit, you say that, and you think this stuff. Like, if I put you on the stage right now, are you are you really just ignoring? the moment and Carl Malone or are you embracing with Kareem and you know, Hey, we're the top three scorers in league history. And this is, you know what I mean? It's just such a, not an easy situation. It's a, it's a very interesting moral place to be where it's like, it's obvious how gross and disgusting and weird that situation is, was, et cetera. But like, I always think it's easier for everybody to sound off on it versus I put you in the position. I mean, yeah, you say you won't embrace, you won't look, you won't talk. Will you though? Because a lot of people do stuff like that, not not like Carl Malone, but a lot of people do things that they're uncomfortable doing or being placed in, and I always think those moments are easier said than done. For sure. They for sure are. It's a lot easier when there's not a six foot ten ginormous dude standing in front of you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A little right. more emphatic about how you feel. I mean, Carl Malone starts embracing you with a hug. You're not getting out of that hug, one, because he's much stronger than you. I got to but... say, easy, Carl, I'm not 13. Also, a, a real eye-opener to see Carl Malone, who, although has been out of league for quite some time now, still looks pretty yoked for his age. Yeah. You get an idea of the LeBron size next to Carl Malone, who played power forward for 20 years. One of the most dominant power forwards of all time. And LeBron's like his equal, if not bigger than him. Yeah. It's just insane. Uh, hour number two, we start with the uh, the Pac-12 news. Good, bad, otherwise we've got a poll question on this. I'll put up another poll question at Dirt and Sprague, uh, but we'll start the second hour there on The Fan.